We're going to be having a whole bunch of different speakers over the summer, so this is my... I'm going to introduce this series, and then I'm going to step back out of the way and let a whole bunch of other people do the stuff. So uh, um, I wonder if you can put this first slide up. Anyone read this book? Anyone identify with this book? Anyone agree with the title? <laughs> Cricket is for dummies. No. Um, <laughs> you've seen this series of books though, right? Everyone's seen this, this four dummies series of books in the shops. They're very obviously yellow and they use that word dummies. And um, uh, the, the first one in the series was right back in 1991. And it was called DOS. And for those of you who aren't in IT, does anyone know what DOS means? <laughs> Disk? Dirty? No, not dirty. Okay, DOS is kind of the thing that happened before Windows. And uh, as you know, in, in back in the late 80s, there was sort of, you know, technology was moving on quick, and new computers were popping up all over the place, um, and nobody really knew how to make them work, apart from some very, very super intelligent people. And so the, 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 um, the, the manuals that you got with them were, like, really tricky. And in a shop one day, uh, a, a really frustrated customer just said, you know, look, I don't know anything about this. Can you, I need a basic book about this operating system, um, something like DOS for dummies. At which point the shop assistant went, oh, there's an idea. And uh, uh, 20 years later... Uh, 25 years later, this is a massive series of books, um, not just covering IT, covering all sorts of topics, business, fitness, health, pets, religion. What are you laughing at? Exercise what? Exercise balls for dummies. Yeah, exactly. There you go. You see, the, the, the four dummies series... The Four Dummies series tackles, and this is from their website, so I'm giving it you, I'm giving it you as, they, as they announce it. It tackles any topic that's complex, confusing, intimidating, or conjures up feelings of anxiety. <laughs> What's more, the website goes on to tell you that For Dummies books are now translated into over 30 languages. Um, I did look. There is a religion for dummies. There is a Christianity for dummies. Um, I didn't quite have the time to look that up and, and read it. Um, but I did think, it did make me think that sometimes just trying to understand what God is saying to us and trying to read the Bible and understand it can feel also complex, intimidating and confusing. Has anybody ever had that experience? Um, and so what we actually need is a kind of for dummies guide in church. And in fact, we've got one. And, um, and the, the book of Proverbs could also be called Wisdom for Dummies. In fact, another church did a series on Proverbs, and this was, you know, the internet's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Google Images. I wrote this straight out of Google Images. Um, It has been said that the book of Proverbs that we're going to study over this summer season um, actually takes the intimidation out of learning and makes the complex accessible and understandable. And if you can get to grips with that, I think that can be very powerful, and that's why we're going to spend some time over the summer looking at this series. We're actually calling this, we're not going to call the series Wisdom for Dummies, um, although it was quite um, appealing. Uh, we're actually going to call it Ma- Wisdom Making Life Work. And as Joe already said, we've got a whole bunch of guest speakers, mostly from, uh, from, from, from you guys uh, in the congregation. And um, one friend of ours who's coming in a couple of weeks' time, who's a, a guest speaker from outside, who's going to come and share her a particularly moving story about trusting God, but that's jumping ahead. What I want to do today is I want to give us an introduction to Proverbs um, to, and to its core central theme, which overarches this whole series, and that's called Pursue 
wisdom. Now, if you do have a Bible, it would be really great to, look, to, to get one. If you haven't got one, we've got a whole pile on the thing at the back because we, this, this, Proverbs, the way it's written, we are going to have to jump around a little bit. And there are two, just two or three passages that I would love you to be sort of have, have open when we get to them. If you don't know where Proverbs is, you basically find Psalms, which is, in, which is kind of in the middle. That's the big book in the middle. And you go to the right. Okay? So you find Psalms, go to the right, you should find Proverbs there. And if you can open it up, we're actually going to start in at chapter 2 this morning. Now, as you may or may not know, the Old Testament contains uh, different types of books. It's It's got the law, it's got history, it's got poetry... It's got prophecy, and it has another category of book, which is called the wisdom book. And um, there's a number of wisdom books, but the the main one, the key one, is Proverbs. It's not the only one, but it is the key one. And so Proverbs, what it is Proverbs is, is it's a collection of sayings from various wise people in the history of Israel, many of which are attributed to King Solomon. Okay, we, I mean, and probably quite, of them are from him, uh, quite a lot of them are from him, but we don't exactly know. But that's who they're attributed to. But they're not, they're not promises of God, but they are explanations of how life works. Um, generally speaking, as you read through Proverbs, you will see that, the, the, that there's a kind of, according to the, the Proverbs in Proverbs, according to the sayings in Proverbs, the moral, the godly, the hardworking, and the wise will reap rewards. That's kind of the general message. And the writers who wrote these Proverbs learned this from experience. And that's what they're trying to reflect here. They're obviously going into specific detail. There's a whole bunch of detail here. And actually, a lot of it rings true. And there's actually a lot to learn here about how to do life. How to do life, if we can work out how to decide for the book. Now, if you are particularly keen and you want to kind of pursue this through the summer... um, I would suggest that there's one book that you might want to get hold of. It's kind of, a, it's kind of an old book. It's been reprinted a few times. It's by this guy called Bill Hybels, who's a really well-known pastor in the States. The book's called Making Life Work. So if, if this is something that you really wanted to pursue for yourself, you can pick these up on Amazon secondhand for like two or three quid. And, um, and, and some of what I'm going to talk about today comes from this book. Um, but the other thing that I was going to say is that what we want to do through the summer, okay, what I want to encourage you to do is something very simple. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs, and there are 31 days in August. Funny that. And if you start tomorrow, you'll get ahead of yourself. <laughs> so I'm giving you a, like a nine-day heads up or ten-day heads up. To, uh, to what, what I would suggest you might want to do is just spend a day, no, not a whole day, spend a few minutes each day reading a chapter of Proverbs and just trying to get your head around it. And whilst you're doing that, some different people are going to pick up some of, the, some, of the, um, some of the key themes. So just by way of introduction, here are some examples of the kind of thing that you get in Proverbs. You get couplets. Often it's rhyming, not rhyming, but they're written in couplets, which is the kind of way that they wrote this kind of, this kind of poetry, this kind of wisdom in the old. And often those couplets will build on one another. So here's an example of uh, one where it, the first part says something and then the next part kind of builds on that. This is... By the way, all of my references are from Proverbs today. That's why I haven't bothered with the book. So that's 9.9. Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. And then it builds on that with the second part. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. That's an example of one of the couplets that you get in Proverbs. Alternatively, sometimes you get couplets that actually contrast with one another. 
Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. In contrast, rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Okay, sometimes uh, you get uh, proverbs that have rich and sort of really deep and colourful language. Here's one. As charcoal to embers and as wood to a fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling, and stri- for kindling strife. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. Rich, descriptive language. Sometimes you get the opposite. You get down the line, plain and simple. Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Just straight down the line. Sometimes you get the slightly humorous ones. If a man loudly blesses his neighbour early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. When I typed waking up the neighbours, the, Bruce, the Bruce, um, Brian Adams album is the thing that came up. Was interesting. Um, sometimes you get unexpected ones. I bet you didn't know that Proverbs, or the Bible also talks about how you care for animals. But here's one about animals. Righteous man cares for the needs of his animal. But the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. So there's even advice there about how to look after your animals. Okay? Some of the Proverbs are really direct. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. That's, that's pretty direct, isn't it? That's pretty direct. It might be awful, but it's, it's direct. <laughs> Did I say true? That's up to you. To... Here's another one. Reassuring. Proverbs are reassuring. When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. Reassuring. And lastly, some of the Proverbs are thought-provoking. The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. So as you can see, there's a whole range in this book of sayings, of wise sayings. And there are strong themes. And the themes don't necessarily run co- coherently together. Okay? The sort of, you have to pick, to get the themes of Proverbs, you have to sort of pick them out a little bit. Um, and we will pick out a couple of themes this morning, and as I said, through the summer we'll do that. But, but still, even though the themes don't run concurrently, it'll be really great just to spend a few minutes each day reading through one chapter and, and just see what jumps out at you. Just ask the Holy Spirit, speak to me today, and then me- read these verses and meditate on them. And the central message of this book is, as I said before, it's pursue wisdom. Pursue wisdom. And uh, we... I want us to look at that, and I want us to start in at chapter 2 and read the first five verses of chapter 2. Um, actually, I want us to read the first, yeah, no, the first five, um, which, is in, uh, which is called The Moral Benefits of Wisdom. And there is a sense in this first chapter, this part of the, the book. In fact, the first, kind of the whole of the first nine chapters are kind of like an introduction and that's what I kind of want to look at today. And then from chapter 10 onwards, it goes through the kind of wise sayings. And in this introduction, it is the sense of a father speaking to a son. Okay? It is the sense of a father. In fact, if you look right back at verse in chapter 1, he says, the first, kind of the first thing he says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And do not forget your mother's teaching. And then he goes on, wisdom is worth searching for. And this is what the father says to the son. And this is verse, I'm not always going to have them up on the screen, but this is chapter 2 and verses 1 to 5. And I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, 
And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, I don't know if you spotted this, but the first thing I want to say about wisdom is that it's worth searching for and you need, and we need to search for it. Getting wisdom is an active pursuit. It doesn't always just come to you. You have to go and find it. If you look at that verse again, I've highlighted some of those words that I think are action words. If you accept my words and store up my commands, if you turn your ear and apply your heart and call out and cry aloud and look and search, then you will find the understanding, the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. It's very clear, the message there. Wisdom is to be pursued. Wisdom is to be actively sought out. Jumping back again in chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. And often there's a tradition within the Jewish tradition in the Old Testament of wisdom being like a, a woman, like a lady. Okay, It's referred to as a she. She calls Aloud in the street. She raises her voice. She is there. And to be honest, sometimes we forget that. And I think also the forces of darkness, uh, the enemy that we fight against, would, would rather have us not really see that. The, the, the enemy would rather draw us away from wisdom than pursue it. Think of it, though, as a quest. Those of you who like science fiction and adventure and fantasy and Star Wars and all of that, think of it as a quest. For finding wisdom, pursuing wisdom, is like following a quest for truth and life. It's about following God and looking for the way to live. And I, you, know, you, might, you might ask, well, why do I have to find it? Why do I have to find wisdom? Why doesn't God just tell me what to do? Why doesn't God just show up in front of me and tell me the answer to the difficult question that I need? Why doesn't he just show up and give me what I need? And the answer is because I think we take him for granted. And I think we become consumers. It's the same as when my kids show up and they say, Dad, can you help me with the homework? Yes. Right, can you tell me what the answer is to this sum? No. I can't tell you that because the whole point of your homework is that you learn how to do this for yourself. I could possibly give you some pointers. I could suggest where you might look. I might sit with you and encourage you while you're doing it, which is what one of my kids really needs. He can do That person in my, <laughs> in my family can do all the work but just needs somebody to sit with him and help him actually stay on task. But if I just tell them the answers, that's just defeating the object, isn't it? And because I want them to go on the quest for themselves. I want them to find the truth. I want them to experience the journey and the satisfaction of learning and growing. And also that makes for a really meaningful relationship between the two of us. If I'm there walking with him or her as they discover stuff for themselves. I I see that it's like that with God. You know, I remember when um, a friend of mine... Uh, Simon, who's um, possibly my best buddy back in Birmingham, he, he came here once, he's going to come again next year. Anyway, he, we used to sit together and work together. And um, I said one day, I, we had these conversations about, I wanted to learn some theology. Now, this is before I did any of my study, this is right back a few years ago. And he said, oh, somebody's car's going off. Um, he said, uh, he, bought, he got me a book. Um, it's, um, it's a systematic theology. It's a pretty heavy book. It's by a guy called Wayne Grudem. Now, I'd been a believer for ages, 
and I'd read the Bible for ages, and I'd experienced many things in God. And when I was given this book to, uh, t- to look at, to be honest, I found it really tricky. You know, it's like heavy going. I'm not the kind of person who can just receive information from a book. I'm an active learner. I need to underline things I've since learned. Anyway, despite all of that, I read a few pages about how amazing God was, how the theology of everything fits together, and I was blown away. The doctrine of, I can't remember what the doctrine was now. I just remember when I read it, I got so excited. And I came back after having read it, and we sat and talked about it together. And he said this to me. He said, I knew that doing this, getting you to read this book, would be like taking a kid to a candy store. You would love it, because you've been following Jesus for so long, and now you've read some theology, and you've started to understand how it relates together. For me, it was all about going on the quest, going on the journey. And wisdom is worth seeking out. And the more effort we put into finding it and doing that journey with God, the more we're likely to actually want to put into practice in our lives. And if you look at Proverbs, pretty much almost every major life issue is covered in there. There is wisdom in Proverbs about family, about finance, about choosing friends, about relationships, about adultery, about spiritual growth, about care for the poor, about managing anger. There's all sorts of stuff in there. And this series is all about trying to dig into some of that and find some practical skills to help us live life better, help us work out how to make good choices. Have you ever struggled with making choices? It's something that happens to me all the time. Is this a good choice to make? So practically, how do we work out how to pursue this wisdom and make these good choices? I think there are three ways we can do it. Three ways to pursue wisdom. We can go to God, we can read his book, or we can ask his people. And so if you take the first one first, we can go to God directly for wisdom. Now, where I stopped in chapter 2, if you carry on, pick up where we left off, which is from verse 6 to verse 8. It says, the Lord gives wisdom. And from his mouth comes a knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for those the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the ways of his faithful ones. Wisdom starts with God. The Lord gives wisdom. He is the personification of true wisdom. Understanding God helps us understand how to relate to him and how to relate to the world. And doing all that is central to life. Relating to and connecting with God is what it's all about. And yeah, that's relatively easy when things are going well. But as we know, it can be more challenging when life isn't so great. I wonder how easy we find it to go to God when we're struggling with fear or doubt or uncertainty or loneliness or pretty much any problem. I wonder if you've ever found yourself thinking or even saying out loud to yourself or to others something like this. I just don't know where God is at the minute. He's not talking to me. I can't see through my pain, my disappointment, my fear. I I just can't feel him. Is, Is he even real? Now, is it just me or have other people ever experienced those kinds of doubts? Yeah, a few of us. Good. Well, well, not good, but good that you acknowledge it. Um, Pushing into God, finding the pathway that suits us best to get back to him is the beginning of wisdom. Now, whatever your best way to relate to God is, maybe it's through art or study or nature or worship 
or people or on your own, whatever it is that you do best to connect with God, wisdom is to go there intentionally. I remember this guy I used to know in my old church, Mark. I don't remember his surname. Um, a guy called Mark, lovely guy, great, used to work in our kids' program, great with the kids, really, really jolly and lively. But he had this perpetual problem. Whenever I chatted to him about, like, you know, real things, deep and meaningful, he'd say, do you know what, the thing is, I just can't feel God. I just don't, I just can't feel him. I don't know, sometimes I don't know if he's really there. I kind of know in my head, but I just don't know in my heart. And over several months, we had these conversations, and he was like, I'm really struggling today, I just can't feel him. One day, he came into our office, because he was really upset. I can't remember what he was upset about, but one of the thing, but something had kicked him off. But he said, I just cannot feel God anymore. I don't even know if this is real. So we prayed for him, and we asked God to reveal himself. And then he said, and, and we said, why don't you just go out somewhere, like go for a walk in the hills? That might help you. So I don't know why we said that, but we did. Anyway, I heard from him later that he went up the hill, up to the, up the Licky Hills in Birmingham, and he said, I sat on a bench, and I got two twigs, and I made a cross, and I put it just on the floor, and I sat there and looked at it for five hours. And after about five hours, I sensed God speak to me. And I went, yes, hallelujah, you actually experienced something of God. Well, how wonderful that God was so gracious to come and meet him. But that guy had some pursuing to do, didn't he? You know? And the first step in pursuing wisdom is going to God. So even if I don't feel close to God myself, if I don't feel close to God myself, ask myself this question. I wonder if one of us has moved and which of us it might be. Is it him or me? And God's so gracious. He still steps in and wants to rescue us, as we heard yesterday at the men's breakfast. He's ready to act in our lives. So go to God. The start of wisdom is pursuing God. The second thing we can do is we can read his book. Okay? The fear of the Lord, it says, is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, you know that there's difference between knowledge and wisdom. Okay? Getting knowledge of God is helpful. It helps us to understand who he is, what he says, what the Bible means, who we are, how life works. But wisdom is something altogether different. Wisdom goes well over and above knowledge because wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge to our lives. Skill for living. It isn't enough just to know about God's truth or just to know what the right thing to do is, is it? Because often in the heat of the moment, that's not the choice that we make. Here's an example from my life. Maybe it's happened in yours. Um, Proverbs 17:28 says, Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. Have you ever had that moment where you said something and then you really wished you hadn't? <laughs> Was that far too often? <laughs> I recently had an argument with one of my kids and I was pretty chewed up about it, and I didn't know what to do. And uh, I was quite offended by their behaviour, and I was quite upset. And I ended up sitting in the garden, because um, there's nowhere else quiet to go. And I said, Lord, what am I going to do? I was really wound up. And this verse, I, said, I feel really angry, God. And, and this verse from the Bible popped into my mind. It was, um, don't let the sun go down on your anger. I thought, well, it's okay, it's all very well knowing that, but I've actually got to do it now, haven't I? You know, and I looked, and literally the sun was just about going down. So 
I thought, right, better go and apologize and make the first move and sort this out. It's not enough just to know the verse, is it? You've got to do something about it. A friend of mine some years ago knew the verse where it says that committing adultery is a bad idea. But he still chose to do it. And if you look at Proverbs 6.27, this is my paraphrase of it. It says, sleep with another man's wife or husband and things are not going to go well for you. And unfortunately, my friend, that's what happened. A whole heap of trouble. Okay? It's not enough just to know the truth. We have to actually act on it. That's what wisdom is. The skill for living. So we've talked about going to God and we've talked about going to the Bible. And the third thing I said was about asking his people. The ones who've been around a bit. And as I said to you at the beginning, this passage is all about my son. If you accept my commands, my son, my son. It's this whole thing about the father passing on the godly wisdom to the next generation. If we've had wise parents and they've made good choices in their life, then they've probably ended up showing us how to do that too. And that's a real blessing. If we've had wise parents who've made good choices, maybe they've taught us some life skills around budgeting, around faith, around relationships. That's what parents are supposed to be there for, to teach us the skills for living, to pass on godly wisdom. Uh, 1520 says, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. You know, if we're wise, we'll listen to the wisdom that we've been, that's been passed down to us and we'll take it on. But sadly, as we know, it doesn't always work out like that. And sometimes the truth is, our parents didn't make wise decisions. For whatever reason, they made foolish decisions. Whether it's through their own selfishness or whether it's through what others did to them. But most of us, if not all of us, have had wise people in our lives. Even if our own parents weren't able to be like that, then maybe there is somebody in our life who's been like a godly parent to us, who's demonstrated and modelled wise decision making. Maybe they've been like spiritual parents. Maybe they've been our small group leaders. Maybe they've been an uncle or a family friend or a leader in our church. I remember my dad was really good at DIY. And uh, if you know me, you'll know that I'm very, very average at DIY. Um, And actually, my dad hardly ever taught me anything uh, about DIY. And uh, when I was about 30... I uh, tried to put some shelves up, and uh, those of you just, I mean, in my defense, it turned out that the plaster wall that I was putting them up in was very, very old and crumbly, but to be honest, I just made a right mess of the whole job. I mean, it was awful, and I said to my dad, I was 30 years old, uh, and he came to visit me one day in Birmingham, and I said, look, you never taught me this as a kid, you have to teach me how to put some shelves up. It's a life skill I need to learn. He said, okay, come on, let's have a look. He looked at it, he went, right, let's take those down and cover up those holes and start again, which was the first thing. And then he, bless him, he did actually teach me how to put some shelves up. And I still know what to do. I know how you're supposed to use a little drill first and then a slightly bigger one and then a slightly bigger one. Not like I did, which is get in with the big one and, you know. I know all the tips now. I'm not brilliant, but I can just about manage. Um, but one thing, my, and my dad was generous, and he was hospitable, and he looked after strangers, and he, he'd done all sorts of amazing things. One thing he did say to me, though, when our kids were very little, just as they were being born, actually, he said, look, I need to say something to you. I've not been a great role model in terms of being a parent and being around. When you were little, I was busy. I was busy at church, and I was busy at work. And I'm concerned that you don't make the same mistakes. 
And I said, thank you very much. I realised that. And the really good thing is, where we've been grown up in Birmingham, we've had a whole bunch of people in our community, and they've been really good at this, and we've actually had some really good models. So th- thank you for what you said. So I, I, I sort of thank God for my dad and all that he was to me, and I also thank God for all those other wise and godly people that we knew and still know who share their experience with us. And if you feel out of your depth in a certain area of your life, my advice is look around for someone who's been there and done it well and actively pursue wisdom. Go and ask them, your kids did all right. What did you do that really worked? And what did you do that didn't work? You know, and it's not just about parenting, although parenting's quite a big one, if you are parents. If you've got, you've got toddlers and babies, you never get any sleep. How did you cope? You know, you go to someone who's been there before and you say, What's the, what godly wisdom can you pass on? Now, most people won't tell you. That's the thing. Most people, probably, if they see you messing up your life, they probably think, oh, I probably don't know that person well enough to give them advice. But if you go and ask them, boy, oh boy, they've probably got loads of advice for you. And that's what I mean by pursue wisdom. Go and search it out. So maybe if you're struggling as a single parent with kids, or maybe you're someone who doesn't see your kids often and you don't know how to do this part of your life, maybe if you're struggling with your work-life balance, or your marriage is in trouble, or maybe you're having difficulty making ends meet financially, or you need career advice, there's usually someone who's been there before, who's actually read the godly wisdom, thought about how to apply it to their lives, and learnt something from their experience. And pursuing wisdom is about going and finding that. My friend um, Andrew, who leads the church back in Birmingham, he, this is something that he did really, really well. He, he would deliberately go to the older generation, he would invite them around for dinner, and he would say, look, you've been a leader, and you've had kids, and you've been through the life stage that we've been through, what did you learn? And most people who are wise and godly won't want to tell you that, because they'll be like, oh, no, never mind, you know. But he would push them, he'd say, no, no, what did you learn? Oh, well, we just, you know, no, what did you actually do? And you would dig down until you found some real wisdom that's in there. That's something that we've tried to do in our lives. We've tried to find people who've been ahead of us in the game, both in terms of life and marriage and family and leadership and homemaking and church and all of that. Part of pursuing wisdom for me is intentionally and deliberately going the extra mile to mine it out. And we have people in this church, you know, who've been through a whole bunch of life experiences. And if you make a... I'm going to make a little promise here. Hopefully this is going to work out. If you make a point of buying them a coffee and being prepared to listen, I'm sure they'd be more than happy to share their experiences with you. Maybe they'll even offer to mentor or support or befriend you. That's what proper Christian community is. There is wisdom there. So we can dig out this wisdom by going to God. We can read his book or we can ask his people. Two other short points that I want to make about this section of Proverbs. The second point is this. Don't be a fool. Make a plan. What have we got there? You see, Proverbs has this character that it talks about called the fool. Here are four particular verses that talk about the fool or about folly. The fear of the Lord is beginning wisdom. We've done that one. But the fools are the ones who despise wisdom and discipline. 12.15, the way of a fool seems right to him. But a wise man listens to advice. A wise man fears the Lord and shuns evil, but a fool is hot-headed and reckless. And then this one here, better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his folly. A fool, we think of a fool, perhaps, as somebody who lacks intelligence. 
But Proverbs' definition of a fool isn't about intelligence. It's about somebody who pursues wisdom or doesn't pursue wisdom. A fool, perhaps, as you, according to these verses, is somebody who doesn't listen. Somebody who's impulsive. Somebody, as it says here, who you don't want to hang around with. Better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool in his folly. Don't want to hang around with people like that. There's another really famous one about a fool. It's this one here. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool returns to his folly. Believe me, the cartoon is better than some of the other pictures I thought about showing you. Okay? Do you know people who have made bad decisions, who've acted in a foolish way, who've recognized that, walked away, and then gone back and done the same thing again? Has it ever happened to you? It certainly happened to me in different parts of my life. If we're honest, do we all like that, act like this sometimes? Impulsiveness, lack of discipline. It seems reasonable in a child who's one or two that they would just not really think about what they were doing. But as we get older, we're expected to act in a different way, aren't we? And when adults act out of selfish impulsiveness or a lack of thought or a lack of discipline, the consequences are devastating. It leads to violence... Sexual brokenness, theft and drug addiction, consumerism, people getting into debt, causing pain and misery to themselves and those around them. And there's some really, really graphic warnings about this in some of these books in Proverbs. Just turn with me to chapter 5. I'm just going to read the first few verses of chapter 5. This is a warning about adultery. Chapter 5 says this, My son, pay attention, listen well. Verse 3, The lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life, her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. And here's the key verse, verse 8. Keep a path far from her. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your best strength to others and your years to the one who is cruel. Now, when you're reading this, go through the rest of that chapter. Don't do it now. We haven't got time. There are warnings upon warnings in Proverbs about what happens if you choose to ignore wisdom. Okay? If you choose to ignore wisdom. It isn't just about sexual purity, although that's a key one. Another one in chapter 7, if you just jump ahead to chapter 7, verse 7 and 8 and 9. Very similar kind of dynamic going on here. Chapter 7, verse 7. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men a youth who lacked judgment. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading and the dark of night set in. And then out came the woman to meet him dressed like a prostitute and off it goes into this whole thing again. Now, I don't want to focus on the negative, but I do want to say this. Just on on adultery and sexual purity, there are not many people who start their married life planning to commit adultery. There are not many people who make their vows thinking, I really mean these, but I'm probably going to break them in a few years. It doesn't really happen. It does occasionally, but not often. People never plan to cause the pain, the hurt, and the upset that happens when adultery does come. And yet, 
It happens over and over again. So many people, I, I listen to this program, Desert Island Discs. Okay, it's quite a fun program. It kind of goes through people's careers. So many people are lauded for their career success and the things that they've achieved. And quite often, you know, more often than not, they have not had relationship success. And that's kind of pushed to the side and not really talked about. And yet, for me, you're only successful if you're successful in every area of your life. And so nobody starts out planning to commit adultery and mess their marriage up or mess their relationship up or mess their life up. And yet it happens over and over again because they don't, they choose the wrong path. What did that guy say? The, the dad said to the son, look, there's the, there's the danger over there. Now don't walk down that path, walk down this path. Because you know what's going to happen if you walk down that path? You're going to go, oh, that looks nice. You know, oh, I just, oh, it's, it's going to be much less of an effort to come there I'm not saying anything about you guys over there. Um, It's about steering the right path at the time in your life when you've got time to think about it in the cold light of day. Be proactive. Make a plan. Don't be a fool. A fool is someone who doesn't have a plan to stay out of trouble. That's my definition. You can keep that for free. Okay? In the cold light of day, stay out of trouble. This can apply to any addiction. This can apply to anything that we're struggling with. If you struggle with watching dodgy stuff on the telly at night, don't put the telly on at night. If you struggle with the internet and porn, then turn the Wi-Fi off after a certain time. That's what we do in our house. Don't have certain food or drink in the house if you struggle with that. Now look, I'm not here to judge anyone. Everyone makes mistakes. I just want to make a point. God is gracious, and I'm not here to make you feel bad. But wisdom is recognising the choices that we make, and when we've made bad ones, and then when we made good ones, and it's acting in reality, and perhaps humility, accepting and owning our mistakes, and turning to God again. So wherever you're at today, if you think, oh, I've made some dumb decisions in my life, I just can't get to seem to get this wisdom thing right, as I said right at that back at the beginning, wisdom starts with God, and if you go back to God, you're going to make it. If you go back to God, that's the start of wisdom. That's the start of wisdom. I'm nearly done. Last thing. Wisdom brings blessing and peace. Wisdom brings blessing and peace. Just turn back to chapter 2 and verse 7. I already read it once. Remember I said if you, if you do that stuff, if you accept my words, if you store up my commands, if you look for wisdom, if you search for it, if you go to God for it, if you go to his book for it, and if you go to his people for it, then, verse 5 of chapter 2, you will understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. This is what happens for people who choose wisdom. Verse 7, he, that's God, holds victory in store for the upright. We're victorious. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. So the first thing is God looks after us. This is the very next verse. He guards the course of the just and protects the ways of his faithful ones. God protects us. Move down to verse 12. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. And verse 16. Wisdom will save you also from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words. It works the other way around as well, guys, by the way, as you know. I'm not trying to make a point about men and women here. And then just to finish, look at verse three, chapter 3 and verse 13. This is like a, it's one of my commentaries calls it a hymn to wisdom. It says, Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, who gains understanding. For she, wisdom, is more profitable than silver, 
and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the deeps were divided and the clouds let the dew drop the dew. My son and daughter, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you an ornament to grace your neck. And then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. The results of following wisdom are safety, blessing and peace. And guys, as you can see, there's so much to dig into here. I want, us to, I want to encourage us to pursue wisdom for all we're worth. As I said, over the next few weeks, just read a chapter a day and meditate on it. Not just reading, but really thinking about how does this apply to my life. And then we'll think about that some more as we cover different topics on Sundays. Let me just say one more time. Where we've lacked wisdom, the best choice we can make today is to put God first again. No matter how much we feel we've blown it, no matter how many bad choices we've made, we can make good choices today by choosing to come to Jesus. It's never too late. He's here. He's full of grace. He's ready to help us grow. So if you're in trouble, come to him. Why don't you stand? And I just want to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And I've put three questions up here for reflection. And as you just kind of reflect on what I've said, Ask the Spirit to just show you in your mind's eye. What areas have I actually pursued wisdom and I've reaped the benefits? It's worth celebrating that. Ask God to show you. In what areas have I done that? And then maybe then the opposite. In what areas of my life have I perhaps lacked wisdom? And what has that led to? And then how is the Spirit asking me to respond? Why don't we just take a minute or two just to quietly reflect on that? Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, you are the one who leads us into all truth. You are the one who leads us into all truth. Would you now come and speak to us? And in fact, there's a a massive tie-up. The Old Testament doesn't really talk about the Holy Spirit, but many people think that wisdom and the Holy Spirit are kind of interchangeable, and it works If you read that chapter 2 that I read to you, and you change wisdom to the Holy Spirit, if my son, if you accept my words and store out my commands and turn your ear to the Spirit and apply your heart to understanding and call for insight and search for it, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So we turn, Holy Spirit, we turn to you. We turn our ear to you. And we ask you to speak to us. Show us the areas of our life where we have reaped the benefits of pursuing godly wisdom, that we might just quietly celebrate and be encouraged. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. And also, Holy Spirit, show us the areas of our life when we've lacked wisdom, when we've perhaps not made the best choices. And we know where that is, but show us anyway so that we know how to respond. And then allow us to respond. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you here. We welcome your work among us. Thank you for your presence. And we'll just wait, guys. We'll just wait.
So I just uh, had this sense that for some of us, when we think back, you know, we, we have actually made some good decisions and we've seen the benefits of that. And it's not wrong to thank God for that. It's kind of wrong to get cocky in ourselves, but not wrong to just give God the glory for that. You know, if your kids are doing well because you've intentionally invested in making good decisions, that's a great thing. Celebrate that. Give God the glory. If you're doing okay financially because you made wise choices about your money, give God the glory. On the flip side, there is forgiveness. And if we realize that we've made some bad choices or we realize we've made a mistake, there is always forgiveness in the Lord. And it may be that what you want to do is actually just confess or receive forgiveness. Confess and receive forgiveness this morning. And it may be that you want to do that publicly or out here with somebody you don't know or somebody you do know. It may be that the Lord is encouraging you to take a step of, of faith and just to come out and say, I've done this. I confess that, and, and some of our team would love to just pr- pray with you and, um, and declare forgiveness over you if, if that's where you're at. And also, um, when they were in the worship time, Jamie had this sense that God was doing something with eyes and healing eyes. If you have been healed during worship, if something's happened for you, we'd love to hear about that. And if you have an eye condition that you'd love to receive prayer for, then we'd love to pray for that as well. Or any other condition, actually. So if you want to respond to the Lord, anything that he's saying this morning, why don't you just come? There's a big space here at the front. Why don't you come and just stand in the quietness? And we have some people who will come, some of you who are, on the, who are used to praying for people, why don't you come out as well? Let's just have a minute for those who want to respond. Why don't the team come and play as well? And we'd love to pray with you if there's anything the Lord is doing. Bless you guys. If God is doing something, I would encourage you to go with that and not just ignore it. Bless you guys. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your work here. We acknowledge your love. So if you've come forward to be prayed for, then just kind of assume a praying position. And let's have some others come and, uh, and stand with them. Let's have guys with guys and girls with girls. If you want to make a confession, if you feel that that's what you want to do, then just speak quietly to the person who's praying with you. They will not judge you. They will not in any way tell you what to do. They might even not even give you advice unless you ask for it, but they will pray for you. So let's have some more people. Still need one or two guys and one or two ladies to come out and, uh, and pray for folk, if that's okay. And while we're doing that, the team will just play and worship. We need... <clears throat>